Oscar Combs here, and I want to put one rumor to rest, once and for all. The story is that Rafferty's goes all out for sports fans. And let me tell you, it's absolutely true. Confirmed. And fans love Rafferty's right back because the food is so terrific. Serve fresh, serve fast, serve friendly, lunch or dinner. Rafferty's menu is jam-packed with all your favorites. Steaks, prime rib, chicken, ribs, delicious dishes and generous sizes that really satisfy the appetite. So come hang with the sports crowd at Rafferty's. It's the tastiest place in town. Welcome to Conversations with Oscar Cone, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dog's Chow House. Episode 85 is the final installment of Oscar's conversation with SEC football official Dr. Ben Oldham. Dr. Oldham's career has aligned him with some of the biggest coaching names and legends in the SEC, and his career has put him in some big games. We'll get Dr. Oldham's comments on some of the former SEC coaches, including past Kentucky coaches, and who does Dr. Oldham refer to as whiners and criers on the field, but off the field they are some of the finest people you would want to meet. You also hear about some of Dr. Oldham's contemporaries in the world of SEC officiating, including another Georgetown, Kentucky native. And Oscar and Dr. Oldham will finish up taking a look back at some memorable and not-so-memorable games in SEC football. It's a look back over 45 years of legends and personalities in SEC football, and one of the biggest personalities in the conference is Dr. Ben Oldham. This is Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dogs Chow House. Let's talk a little bit about some individual, just a, a line or two memory of what you think of. I and mean, some of the people at the SEC, Conho uh, uh, Coleman uh, Didn't, I, was a I, I great was, one. You were, he was gone before you I, got I there. Know, I didn't uh, know him at all. Uh, the, the legendary stories on him. But he was uh, replaced by Dr. Boy McWhirter, who was an old, uh, I think he was actually maybe a physics professor at Georgia. He may have been. He, he was a Georgia I know professor. he was from Georgia, yeah. And, and a great person and was highly supportive of the officials. Like I told you earlier, a great person. I, I, I got along just famously with Boyd McWhorter. And then Dr. Harry Sh- uh, Harvey, Harvey Schiller, who was from the Air Force. Har- Harvey Schiller uh, really made great strides in advancing the Southeastern Conference. Particularly that, in he, marketing. He, he was a marketing genius. He, he really was. Did, did a great job for the Southeastern Conference. Different different commissioners have done different things and uh he he did a great job marketing the southeast i Congress. remember him telling some of us uh one evening at dinners you know i came here i'd only been here about three weeks to suddenly i said fellas don't you all know that nascar was born and blossom in the south you ever you ever realize all those logos that's on all those cars there's money behind that. that's that's harvey schiller absolutely harvey schiller without a doubt great marketing man and then, of course, uh, Coach Roy Kramer, who was an old college coach from Central Michigan before he went to Vandy as an AD, and always had that gray hair, but he certainly didn't work like a 60-year-old. He worked no, like a no. 40-year-old. And, and he was the uh, he, he developed the uh, the equation for the uh, the playoff system and, and a, a, 
a great thinker. I had a good relationship with him. Whenever I would call, uh, I was looking for him at the uh, Tennessee game. He would usually show show up at a Tennessee or Vandy game. We always have a chat. We had a, a very good relationship, a very quantitative person, but uh, yeah. uh, I had a great relationship with him. Uh, Mike Slive. Loved Mike Slive. Mike Slive was one of the finest men I've ever known. And, and again, we, we were on a first-name basis. He would come in the video center when I was in Birmingham every week for the last couple of years, and he would sit beside me and watch what I did and, and – uh, uh, just a, a good, caring person, and, uh, uh, but, but also a, a genius, an attorney, uh, trained as, as an attorney, but uh, we had a great relationship. And, of course, the guy now that uh, was in the SEC for quite some time, now head of the national officiating for the NCAA, old guy that went from Georgetown, went to the same school you did, Roger Reddick. Ro- Rogers now, uh, Rogers and I, uh, not the same, just the same school. We went to kindergarten together. Rogers and I went to kindergarten together, and we had. I'd hate to be in that instructor. Oh, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> Rogers, uh, Rogers was in the uh, in the Southwest Conference, and he he was uh, he got transferred or got a promotion to go to Northern Kentucky University, and he called his mother to tell her that. His mother and my mother were best friends, and his mother called my mother. My mother called me, and within 15 minutes, I knew what Roger's plans were. That, that's 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 how close we we were, but and, and are still close. But uh, uh, an absolute genius, though. Roger's Redding is a genius. He he has his uh, his PhD in physical chemistry and is a genius and a and a good friend, a really good friend. Uh- Probably the second official that, at least that I know of from Kentucky, to work in the SEC along with you was John Griggs. John John Griggs. Uh, John Griggs is one of the reasons I got in the Southeastern Conference because he was on his way out to support his son who played at the University of Kentucky. But John played at, at Kentucky, and uh, great storyteller. John John Griggs. He he could tell a joke better than anybody else <laughs> I've ever seen. But a great a great man, a good strong official. But he probably got out a little bit before his time just so he could follow his son and made the right decision. Yes. Wilbur Hackett. Wilbur Hackett. Uh, I had a lot to do with getting him in the Southeastern Conference. At that time, there were not many African American officials in the, the Southeastern Conference, and I knew Wilbur uh, at a lower level, and Wilbur is a good official. He he has as good a game sense as anybody I've ever been on the field with. I've been on the field with him, and I've been in the replay booth with him. He, he's a replay. He's in a replay booth now, but uh, he has a great field sense and a, a, a good man. Wilbur's a good man. Joe Fetterspiel. Joe Fetterspiel is one of my best friends. When, when he played in the uh, National Football League, we, uh, we lift, lift the weights during the offseason together. But uh, uh, a, a great field sense, and uh, I, I wish he could have stayed in longer. He had some, had some, some, some health problems have been corrected, but uh, uh, he had an understanding of the game, a great understanding of the game, and is a great friend. Astro Cat Sizemore. Cat Sizemore uh, from Hazard, Kentucky. Uh, went to Virginia Tech. Went to Virginia Tech. Played for Jerry Claiborne. Jerry Claiborne. He certainly did, and is a uh, another good friend. I I'm the reason he uh, came back as a replay official for a little, little while. That uh, uh, talked to Bobby Gaston, who was the supervisor back then, and he said uh, we we need an, another uh, replay official from from your area. I said, "Are you talking about Cat Sizemore?" And he said, "Well." 
I hadn't thought about that. So I called Cat immediately. I said, would you be interested in doing this? He said, absolutely. So uh, within probably three or four hours, he, he was on our uh, ranking list. Let's talk a little bit about some coaches. See, I won't bring up any current coaches because I don't want to put you on the spot well, or really, anything. The, the, the current coaches, because I'm in the booth now, I'm away yeah. from that. I, I don't know the current coaches but, like, but, like, but, like I knew the former. But you can tell us any little tale that <laughs> happened on the sideline, uh, <laughs> right. uh, what they may have called you, right. no, 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 minus I, 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 the four-letter words. That, that, that I can't talk <laughs> about. That. Uh, let's start out with uh, Bill Arnsbarker. Arnsbarker, again, uh, we, we had a, a good – a good relationship. Uh, again, the, the head coaches I've had good relationships with. Again, it was usually the the defensive coordinators that uh, uh, would, would, would give officials problems. But now, well, would all these guys be as nice about you as you've been about? Probably them? not. Probably not. No, no, that, that that's not true. <laughs> off, really, off off the field, there is uh, there is an intensity during during the game that even even during timeouts, the the coaches are are fine. I know Ray Ray Golf, who was who's the head coach at Georgia for for a while. Uh, good guy, probably got in too soon. He, he was probably too too young when he got got in, but he was a Georgia quarterback. But uh, I would make a call, and he would be crazy on the sideline. TV timeout, he said, Ben, I'm sorry. I was wrong. He said, you were right. I, I, he'd come in and apologize. <laughs> apologize. But but a, a good guy and a good friend. Les Miles. Les Miles, he, he loved the officials. Uh, he, he was funny to be around. Uh, he every, every year now he comes back to the SEC officiating clinic. He just loves loves the game and loves the officials and a a fine guy and a fun guy to be around. Jerry Donardo. Jerry Donardo, uh, when he was at LSU, uh, he was another one of those where he came back in a game. I don't know whether they were playing Houston, but they came back uh, late, and I I went by his sideline and I said, Coach. Why in the world would anybody do this? He said, "Ben, I have no idea why I'm doing this." And uh, but, but again, a, a good—all the names that you're mentioning—they're all good people, really good people. A guy that was um, one of the youngest head coaches in the country at the time, and later was assistant at Kentucky twice. Mike Archer. When he was at LSU, we had we had a good relationship. But I was calling an LSU Alabama game. I was calling an LSU Al. Alabama game, and he was very intense on the sideline, very intense. Even though we had a good relationship, he was very, very intense. And uh, uh, during the game, he lost the look in his eye. And I went to the other officials and I said, this is his last ball game. LSU's gotten rid of him, and he hadn't told anybody yet, but I said, the look isn't there anymore. He didn't have the fire in his eyes, and I was exactly right. But I'd be on the sideline if I'd be calling a scrimmage at Kentucky. I'd go up, and he'd almost tackle me. He he would hit me from from behind. But we, uh, Mike Archer and I, had a very good relationship. Emory Ballard did did not I, I, I knew him, but I didn't know him well. Tommy Tuberville. Uh, to, Tommy Tuberville. I'm not an, an outdoor. I, I'm not a. A hunter, fisherman, that kind of thing. I'd be on the sideline. Tommy Tuberville would want to talk about. I guess because he thought I was from Kentucky, maybe it's more rural Kentucky. He would want to talk, talk to me about hunting and fishing, trying to get my my approval about something. But but, but again, Tommy Tuberville, Tommy Tuberville and I had a great relationship. Steve Sloan. Steve Sloan. I knew him, but not not well. He was he was a high school classmate of one of my best best friends, but uh, uh, very high character, a good just just a good person. Phil Fulmer. 
Philip, Philip Fulmer and I, uh, I knew him when he was an assistant coach at Tennessee. Um, still to this day have a great relationship. We have some of the same friends in Knoxville. I saw him a couple of weeks ago, chatted with him in the, in the dressing room. But uh, we know each other on a first-name basis and uh, have always had a very good relationship. Jackie Sherrill. Jackie Sherrill is one of those who off the field is a fine person. On the field is a complainer. He whines. He complains. He would. Uh, he carried a clipboard around, and uh, it looked like he was taking notes about the game. I seen his clipboard. He wasn't doing anything. He was just doodling on the clipboard. I don't know <laughs> whether he was trying to make himself look intelligent or whatever, but he wasn't doing anything with the clipboard. Steve Spurrier. Sp Spurrier. And I, I told you a story, story about Spurrier earlier. Uh, Spurrier was all business about the game of football, all business. We, we had a, a good relationship, but I don't know of anybody who has had a, a real close relationship with Spurrier. Bill Curry. Curry is a dear friend of mine, dear friend of mine. Uh, the, the Kentucky job might not have been the best job for him, but as far as character, there is probably not a finer person in the world than Bill Curry. Gene Stallings. Stallings, jolly Gene. Uh, I, I can tell you stories about, about him. He, he was another whiner, complainer, off, off the field. I, I was going in to get the captains one time from, uh, uh, was, again, for 25 years, I got the uh, home team captains. And I knocked on the door. The state policeman opened the door, and Stallings uh, was, was given a, uh, his pregame prayer and a preacher couldn't have given a better prayer. He's involved in civic kinds of things, a fine, fine person. Uh, you, you won't find a, a finer person off, off the field than, than Stallings. The ball is kicked off. I've never heard as many four-letter expletives in my life. He, he called me everything in the book. He called every official, every, every name in the book. Game's over. One of the finest people you'll ever meet. Charlie Pale. Char Again, I, I told you a story earlier about Charlie Pale. He, he, was, he was a player's coach, good man, but uh, uh, overly involved emotionally in the ball games, and, and that might have ended up co costing him his, his job. Again, off, off the field, he, he was fine, a, a real player's coach, but he was so emotional on, on the field, it, it, he got out of control. Mark Rick. Uh, Mark Rick, uh, something that was uh, nice about him. I was in the, in the replay booth, and uh, – Everything I read, nice guy, family man. Uh, my wife was coming in into the ball game with me, and uh, walking through the a, a tunnel, I said, "Do you do you want to meet George's coach?" Oh yeah, I'd like to meet George's coach. Mark, come, come here a minute. During warm-ups, he took the time to talk to my wife probably 15 minutes during warm-ups and talked about family things and what his son was doing and uh, just a great, great guy. A good, a good coach. I don't know whether he was intense enough for Georgia, but just he, he was a, a good person and uh, a fine person. Fran Kersey. Fran Kersey is, is one of the fellows who, who got me in the league. I, he, he started me doing clinics because he said he wanted an SEC official who could come in and talk to the, official, to talk to the players prior to the to season. But Fran, Fran and I to this day, uh, know and like each other. I'll see him in the airport occasionally, but uh, he knows he was largely responsible for getting me in the Southeastern Conference. Vince Dooley. Vince Dooley and I are on a first-name basis. I've known him for a long time, and uh, I consider him a, a friend. We, we never had a harsh word on the field. He, he, he was always very professional 
with, with me, but a real class act. Jerry Claiborne. Jerry Claiborne, uh, in, intellectual guy, uh, did great things at Kentucky football. I think unappreciated at Kentucky, but uh, I did I did his his clinics for for him. But uh, I think he he was a math major in, in college and and was a, a very very bright guy, fin, uh, a, a great tennis player. Um, but uh, we we had a good relationship. Pat Dye. Pat Dye. I've I've told you a story about Pat Dye. Another very very intense intense coach. Uh, and he was somebody who, uh, off the field, was low key and a fine guy. On the field, was extremely intense. But uh, but we always had a good relationship. Everything was very professional with him. Charlie McClendon. Charlie Charlie Mike and I again during uh, TV timeouts. Uh, we would we would talk about other things other than football, and then the game would start, and he'd be on my case about something. But it, a great guy, Charlie McClendon. Charlie Mack was just a great guy. Did they run him off too early? Yes, with, with, without a doubt, without a doubt. A, a, a tremendous football mind. Rich Brooks. Rich Rich Brooks and I, Rich Rich Brooks, uh, for some reason, did not get along well with the supervisor officials in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, he came from out west, and they didn't get along well. But Rich Brooks and I got along very well, and I was the intermediary. That Rich Brooks would say say things to me, I would take that back to the supervisor, talk to the supervisor, get a response from him. Then I'd go back to Rich Brooks because they wouldn't even talk to each other. But Rich Brooks and I, I was I was in line at a movie theater two or three years ago. It's kind of misting rain, and somebody came up for me and hit me hard from the back. It's Rich Brooks. We had a great relationship. Johnny Majors loved him. Loved Johnny Majors. Uh, uh, the the funny thing about Johnny Majors, the first big uh, interaction I had with him, he was he was Tennessee's head coach, and uh, I was a young official, and he questioned a call, and I went to the sideline. He said, "Ben, what is that?" I said, "Coach, new rule, rule ten two one a one." I even remember that that rule number because at that time I'd almost memorized the rule book. He said, "Oh." Okay, from that point, he never questioned a thing I did on the field. We had a great relationship, and he never questioned a thing. Again, terrific guy, and to this day, is a good friend. The last one, and I'll say this before I tell you who it is. (laughs) I want to ask you, the first time you ever met Bear Bryant, were you intimidated? Yes, without a doubt. And every official who was ever on the field was intimidated by him. Now, I I called my, my ball game, but let me tell you something. At Alabama... In front of all those people, as loud as it was, if Bear, if Bear Bryant in that raspy voice would say something, come here a minute, I want to ask you something, I'd hear his voice above everybody's voice. Uh, I remember the last year he officiated, I, I told you earlier I did the, his, his last loss at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Southern, Southern Miss was playing him, and they ended up beating Alabama. 28-14, I'll never forget the game. I thought with two minutes left, left the game, what are how many – how Alabama's going to come back in this game. I didn't think Alabama could lose with Bear Bryant there. But I had to get the home team captains. I, I knocked on the, on the door to, to go in and get Bear Bryant's captains prior to the game. And I thought, I'd always heard, like you heard stories about Adolph Rupp. He, he didn't coach anymore. It was Joe Hall doing the coaching or somebody else doing the coaching. Bear Bryant was only a figurehead. He just leaned up against the goalpost and every, everybody just worshipped him. And uh, I, I knocked on the door and I said, uh, I need to tell Co- Coach Bryant, you got five minutes to kick off, I need your captains. So he said, oh, he isn't here. He's in with, with a starting team by himself. 
and he was still coaching. Believe me, he was still coaching. And uh, I, I remember I had a call against Alabama in uh, in that ball game. I went over to him and told him, and he had a rolled up program in his hand. The only thing he did was slap that program against his other hand and turn and and walk away, but never said a bad thing. He was he was great to the officials. Best SEC official you ever worked with? Oh, I've worked with some awfully good ones. I, I, I've worked with uh, uh, St- Steve Shaw, who who is currently the. Uh, the supervisor of officials is a great referee. Rogers Redding was a great referee on the field. I've I've been on the field with with so many great ones, so many who have such a feel for the for the, for the game. Uh, guys who uh, I'll I'll be uh, in at Tennessee this coming weekend with, with one of the finest uh, back judges I've ever officiated with, George Raniger, who was uh, uh, a great receiver for Alabama. But he was he was a a great official, a great receiver. But um, it'd be hard, hard to say. I've been on the field with so many great ones. Char- Char- Charlie Horton was a great back judge, uh, was all SEC. I don't know if he's all American or not at Vanderbilt. I was going in. I had a ball game with him. And a player deep came over the pile, and I said, he's going to hit Charlie Horton, and he's going to end his career. I was coming from the side, and this player was, go- was going over the pile, trying to miss, trying to keep him piling on, and uh, was uh, – Trying to uh, miss the pile, but I said he's he's going to hit Charlie Horton and take him out. Well, he did, but Charlie Horton did a spin move like a running back and just brushed him. And I said that's one of the finest athletic moves I've ever seen. I said he was going to kill you, but just barely brushed him. A great a great athlete and a great official. Most controversial SEC game you ever worked? No. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar, a lot of the games I worked are controversial games quite often because the officials. I had one game that was at uh, at uh, Mississippi State. The game ended up three to two. There was a safety and a field goal, three to two. Not very controversial. It was boring, but uh, but the game ended up three to two. Oscar, I, I don't know. I've been the SEC as competitive as it is. I really don't know. I've been in so many of them. again. I've I've done SEC championships. I've done the, the the two most hotly contested SEC championship games that were decided by one point. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Best SEC game you ever worked? You look back and say, "Boy, I was blessed to be working in that game." You know, I've I've done this for so long. Uh, and there, there are so many of them. SEC championship games, uh, top teams. It, they're usually top tier teams in the nation, and I got to see it every week. Every every week was a blessing to me to uh, be able to be on the field for something like that. So I, I'd really have a hard time describing what the game. Well, would be. I was going to ask you the worst SEC game. I guess that's the three to two game. Oh, again, it, it wasn't because it's poorly officiated. It was boring. Three to two. <laughs> Best bowl game you ever worked? The Rose Bowl was always great, but again, bowl bowl games. By the time I got up, up in, in my career, when you when you work a Fiesta Bowl, when you, when you work Rose Bowls, when when you when you work <laughs> Cotton Bowls, uh, they're all good good bowl bowl games. All of them are good. I, I, there's so many of them. I'd have a hard time saying which which one was was the best one. Can you label one as the worst bowl game you ever worked? It would probably have to be one of the in, Independence Bowls that uh, uh, that I, I had a. Uh, I had to go to the sideline. Uh, it was a Tennessee Tech bowl game, and uh, Spike Dykes, who was a great guy on the field, Spike Dykes was Tennessee Tech's coach, and uh, the the umpire in the game 
uh, had, had a flag on a, a try for point, extra point. And he came in and I said, what you got? Because I had to report to the sideline. I was the sideline official who had to go to the official and tell him what the call was. He said, I've got hurdling. I said, oh, no. I said, call something else. I can't go over there and tell him I've got. He said, I've got hurdling, which means that at your running through the line of scrimmage, going feet first, just like you're going, going over a hurdling track. And I, I walked over to Spike Dykes and I said, Coach, just hold yourself down while I tell you this. He said, Ben, what was it? I said, Coach, we got hurdling. Hurdling? What in the age <laughs> was hurdling? So I explained to him, he said, Oh, okay. So I I, I, I went to the official after the game and said, Don't you ever do that to me again. So and, and he didn't. F fun funny story about that particular official. I had a game at Georgia, the opening game of the season. It was Georgia and uh, Ole Miss. And he he was gonna be the T V coordinator because he had had uh, minor back surgery and so he, he was on medication and, and he couldn't do everything he needed need to do. But he, he wore the red hat and he, he was a TV coordinator. So uh, came time for the kickoff and the referee at the kickoff checks off all the officials. Uh, headlinesman, line judge, everybody holds up a hand. Uh, umpire, everybody holds up a hand. TV, we're re ready to go. Looked over, where's TV coordinator? Somebody comes to TV truck, where's our TV coordinator? Looked up. He was sound asleep on the Georgia bench, stretched out, sound asleep on the. We had to wake him up to get the game started. <laughs> Most exciting SEC title game you worked. Again, the 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 SEC games that were decided by one one point. Those th those were the exciting ones. Who they were, Oscar, I don't know because, again, it's an SEC title game. Uh, Alabama was not the strength that they are now that now it's almost a given that it's going to be Alabama and they're going to win the game. They were so intense that uh, I had very few Alabama games in the championship games. It was always somebody, it was LSU, it was Auburn, it was somebody else coming out, out of the West. But uh, there were some great, great teams and great games. Over your 40 years, what did you like most about being an official? You know, the relationships I had with, with the other officials. My, my very, very best friends are football officials. That uh, I have some very very good good friends in Lexington and, and best friends in Lexington, but I have a whole cadre of of guys that uh, I was on the on the phone with two of them this morning. That just terrific guys, good friends, good family men that that have have uh, a belief system that's very much like mine. But some some of the finest guys in the world I've ever been around are are are, are these guys. What did you like least about? officiating travel you, you know you're, you're gone every every weekend that that travel just just gets gets to be um by the end of end of the season other than the ball game I, i'm ready for it, for it to be over but the games i was never ready for it to be over i wish they'd go on every week but but travel got to, got, got to be a little bit hectic most influential person in your official capacity Oh, that's a, that's a hard hard question. Let me tell you something. My wife is very influential. My wife understands the football game. Her her father played college football, and and she knows the game, and she's very influential. Uh, but I've I've been on the field. Bobby Gaston, who was the longtime su supervisor, uh, was very influential in my officiating career that some some of the big assignments I got came from, from Bobby Gaston. It's probably Bobby Gaston. Anything you would change about the college game from an official's point of view? Uh, from an official's point of view, I I have uh, written 
uh, suggestions to the uh, rules committee as I do many many years. One has has been one rule has, has been changed because of what I wrote. Do you, do you remember the way punters used used to flop all all the time? They, mm-hmm. they, they, would, they would go up up to punt and there wouldn't even be up be a brush and it'd be a Hollywood performance. I wrote to the rules committee and I said punters are making a travesty to the game. I said if they flop and they weren't hit. It needs to be unsportsmanlike conduct. That rule was in the rule book the next year, and flopping stopped. Is the game of football too violent today? It is violent because of the speed of the play, speed and size of the players. The, the players are much bigger now, much faster now, uh, and uh, I think it is a result that the violence is a result of of the athleticism and the speed of the players. That that. You, you can hit so much harder, so much more mo- momentum comes with, with something like that. But it is it is a violent game, and it's scary because of uh, of the CTE, uh, the, the brain injuries that, that occur further on down. I, I know the Rules Committee is doing everything it can with targeting and all of this, trying to take that out. Re- regarding targeting, I wish I was talking to a, another official this morning ab- about targeting. Uh, for a launch for a major targeting call, a player ought to be out of the game and probably ought to be out of part of the next game. But when a flag is thrown on the field and there's not clear evidence and the uh, the booth lets a play stand, if a play stands, the player is still out of the game for the next half of the game, for the rest of that, that game, and I don't like that. If, if, if you don't know what the result is, mm-hmm. maybe ch- uh, charge with a 15-yard penalty but don't throw a player out of the game if you don't know. And that, that one really concerns me. And that will be one of the things I will talk about when I write the rules committee this year. Uh, there are certain things that there, – there are times a player does need to be ejected from, from the game. If it's a violent thing, an unnecessary thing, but if they don't know, why throw a player out of the game because you don't know? Back to the CTE yeah. and what we're facing here. Are, are you concerned that at some point in time – that it's going to cost us the game of football. It might. It, I, I, I'm very concerned about that because uh, you're you're seeing now uh, mothers do do not want their their sons to play foot, football because there might be lasting brain injuries, and uh, uh, I'm I'm concerned about the game of football as the rules committee is there. This this is not something that is a concern of mine. It's a concern of everybody associated with with the game that that. The game, again, because of the speed of the game, because players are wearing headgears that are so protective of of, of them. There can be neck injuries, head head injuries. Still, with the speed of the players, uh, it's. I'm very concerned about the game. Just recently, the U.S. Supreme Court says gambling may be allowed in any state, every state around the country. Do you fear the repercussions that could develop from? Betting on college games. The answer is is yes, and one of the one of the reasons I, I say yes, uh, there is a rule in the rule book this year that uh, Kentucky fans became aware of very very recently that if a team scores a touchdown on the last play of the game and they go up by one point, they don't have to do do the try for point. But if you think about it. And you think about the point spread, if it's a two-point spread or a one-point spread, what that can do to legalize gambling, what kinds of influence that would have on the game. And that concerns me greatly. If a rule in the rule book can put that decision on a coach 
whether to go for an extra point, knowing what the point spread is and knowing what Vegas knows about that. I'm concerned about the the, the influence that organized crime might have with, with that. Whether it has any, that whether that's reality or not, I don't know, but I'm always concerned that, that organized crime may get involved in it. Your last on-field officiating, 18 years ago, 2000, BCS National Championship game, Bobby Bowden, Frank Beamer, Florida State won 46-29 in the Sugar Go. Yes. How special was that, and you told you, you asked me that, and I had chills. I, honestly, I had chills in, in that ball. It was great. The, the the game was great. But there's a funny story that goes along with that. And I I've told you too many funny stories. But uh, after the game, um, I, I went to the uh, head of the officials group, and and I said, "This is my last game on the field. I like one of the commemorative footballs, and I have a whole bookcase full of commemorative footballs. I have uh, I have most more commemorative footballs than a lot of teams have." I have a, I've had some bowl games and SEC champ, championship games. And they said, sir, we don't have any for the officials. And I said, but that's my, sir, I'm sorry, we don't have any. I said, okay. I went and told my wife. I said, no, no football. She said, let me make a phone call. We got back home on Monday. She calls and, and wants to talk to the uh, people in the Sugar Bowl. Uh, Ma'am, I'm sorry. We just had six footballs made. One's for Virginia Tech, one's for Florida State, one's for, for Nokia, one, you know, went, went through the whole, whole list. We don't have one. She calls back the next day. Ma'am, we talked to you yesterday. We don't have one, one of those balls. We don't have one. She calls back the next day. One, I want to talk to the president of the Sugar Bowl. She talked to the president of the Sugar Bowl. Ma'am, we know who you are. You don't have to identify yourself. We're going to send you a commemorative football. It's going to be slightly defaced, but we're going to send you a football. Just stop calling us. The ball they sent was no a game ball. Was, was the ball, a commemorative ball, signed by Bobby Bowden and Frank Beamer. It, it is, it's priceless. No <laughs> telling. If I went on eBay right now, no telling what that ball would be worth. But they said to me, just because my wife wouldn't leave them alone. <laughs> but that's the kind of person she is. I always ask my guests a couple questions near the end. And first of all, this one, um, when any athlete plays his last game and he takes that uniform off the last time and knows that he's never again going to be in the arena, what went through your mind? I'm hoping I can get through it because I tear up. I mean, it's special. I mean, uh, and I'm tearing up right now. Um, you spent so much of your career doing that. It's it's just uh, knowing that, that, that that's it. It's a real special thing. I mean, you, uh, you 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 know it's time. I I I went out again. I knew I'd be when I was assigned the national championship game. That was going to be my last game, and I, I came out a year or two early because I wanted to go out absolutely on top. Because I felt like at that point I was deep official. I was always fast, but I felt like I lost my. My, my first step. I didn't have the quick first. Was I fast? I was still pretty fast. For an old man, I was still pretty fast, but I lost the first step. But when it comes off, really, you've had so many wonderful experiences, so many, a rush of memories go through your mind. It's a real special time. How would you like to be remembered by all of your friends you made over the years? Uh, uh, that that I called them the way I saw them, that, I was, that, that my integrity uh, was the highest point that I uh, everything I did was with integrity at the forefront.
We hope you've enjoyed this three-part series of Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dog's Chow House. And, of course, our thanks goes out to Dr. Ben Oldham for being a part of Conversations. If you missed part one and part two, those are episodes 83 and 84, and they can be found at oscarcombs.com. For your mobile devices, you can subscribe to Conversations through Google Play and iTunes and Stitcher. Search for at Wildcat News and subscribe. To keep track of the cats, follow Oscar on Twitter. He's at Wildcat News. I'm Bo Robinson, thanking you for listening to this episode of Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's and Double Dog's Chow House. And as always, go Big Blue.